Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We have McLean Boyd, Jay Woodson here. I am Mike Maroney. We're happy to have everyone back. Gents, what's going on out there? Another beautiful uh, day here in sunny South Florida. I don't know how it is with you guys, but I'm I got flip flops on, short short sleeves. It's just it's nice to be outside. You guys both inside, or you, you guys outside too? Uh, we're both inside. I, I don't do the podcast outside ever, no matter what the temperature is. But no, I it was, it was actually a very pleasant day here in the Commonwealth. In the Commonwealth, I fucking love it. Uh, what are you boys sipping on? Uh, you know what. I I know what McLean is probably sipping on. Um, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he's sipping on Corona Light, but I could be wrong. I think you're pretty good there. Yeah, that's a that's a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I am sipping on a, a weird concoction here. This is uh, a Breckenridge bourbon uh, that's distilled in rum casks. Uh, it's okay. It was rated pretty high. I took a chance on it, and I don't love it. I had one of our buddies over here um, helping me with uh, getting our our online store together, Luke Myers. Shout out to Luke for all of his help with our Instagram account for our, um, you know, again, for our, our apparel side of things. And I gave him a glass of it, and he was like, He's like, I'll take another glass, but just don't give me what you just gave me. So I guess it's not that good. Um, it's okay. I'm not going to lie. It, it was highly touted, but it's average at best, but that's okay. Uh, that's, uh, this is really funny. So I'm also drinking Breckeridge, not the one that you're talking about, which I do have. I just in the, the plain Jane Breckenridge. I haven't had it in a while. I actually was looking at both bottles over here. I'm like, man, I haven't had these in a while. And so I am drinking Breckenridge as well. Just their, um, their flagship, their flagship. So you have the, you have the Breckenridge rum cask. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what do you think about that? It's been six months since I've had it. Um, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Nothing. It's rated pretty, pretty, is, pretty yeah. highly. I'm not sure I'd um, recommend it to, you know, there's a, a couple dozen that I'd recommend ahead of it, but for, for whatever reason, it just has a weird, um, I don't know. Weird finish to it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it wasn't, it's okay. And he didn't like it at all. So I, I, I whatever, I'm fine with it. I, I probably won't buy it again. So, Hey, yeah. worth a shot. Gotta, you never know. I gotta be honest though. You know, my Corona light tastes just as good as it did. last. <laughs> it always tastes the it always, same. It, That's it, great. Very, very consistent. Very consistent. <laughs> you know what to expect. And I'm pleased every night. Well, that's like when my wife and I go to out to dinner. We go to a restaurant that I've, we've been to before. She goes, you got that last time. I'm like, yeah, it was good last time. I know it's going to be good. I'm going to get it again. <laughs> when, I, when I branch out and do different things, and all of a sudden I freaking hate my meal. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. I could have just got what I knew yeah. was good. It's like going to Red Salt, not getting the Dino Bites, not getting the, uh, what was it, coffee-crusted filet. You, you're not going to do that. You yeah, go there you just, for that. You get what you like, and you know it's going to be good. And that's just that's what exactly I do. Exactly right. That's so, exactly right. There. Um, all right. Let's get into a little a little golf. It was an exciting weekend. We are doing this on a Tuesday night. I apologize to our listeners for this will go out a day later than it has been. Um, you can blame me. I had a long day at work and meeting last night. So, uh, but golf this past weekend was 
very entertaining. The Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. I can't believe like, that guy pulled it off. Like, like everyone remember? predicted, Kurt Kitayama just beats like half of the top 20 in the world. <laughs> it, I was watching it and he's on like 13 to 14. I'm, I'm like, he can't win. That was my feeling. I'm like, this guy can't win. He's got Rory. He's got Scheffler. He's got the guys right on top of him. There, there has to be that pressure that I'm sure he at some point felt to a certain extent. He obviously handled it extremely well and got the W. But at the end of the day, it, it, it was a little bit of a surprise because watching the tournament and seeing all the names that he had right behind him, it was like, this is no this chance. guy's this guy's not going to get it done over this stalwart of our absolute best players in the world. Well, it was like, I, I feel bad. So on like, it was like Saturday morning. I think what he was at nine under after Friday, I think it was a two shot lead over Alexander and maybe Spieth and Someone walked through the shop Saturday morning before the leaders had even teed off. And they're like, oh, where's so-and-so? Oh, he's he's seven back, whatever it was. And I was like, well, yeah, the lead's really seven under. I, lead's not nine under with Kurt Kidiyama. Like, I was just like, this guy's going to fold over the weekend. Like, that's not the number you need to be looking at. It's You look at Xander Schauffele, who was at seven under. I, th- I think I might have the details wrong there. But, yeah, I didn't give him any credit. He, is, he has had a few 36-hole leads you know, in the past six months. And he has been playing well. I mean, I think he was 41st in the FedEx Cup last year and has has had a good little run here and, and gets his name up there. It was a, a couple. He, he's finished second four t- times Yeah, in, in big events to Rory, Rom. Uh, you know, obviously those are the two that, that jump out. I don't know. It may, be, it, may, it may have been Xander or somebody else, but he's finished second four times in the last year to top 10 players in the world. So he is he's been knocking at the door quite a bit. And I, I'll be honest, I, I have not paid attention to him at all. And I, I was kind of looking at him the same way that you you had, Mike, until they showed that stat that said, look, he's had four runner-ups to four of the top players in the world. So it's like essentially, had those guys not played that week, he could he could potentially have had four major, not major, but really you know monumental big wins and now we're looking at you know katayama like oh you've got four wins in the last year in these big events you know you're you're a household name but he finished second and we don't know who the hell he is yeah so he had a second to rory at the cj cup a second last year at the mexico open to ram a second at the genesis scottish open to xander and then scheffler was the was the other one he finished second to i think right um, yeah, he's got a third plus at the Honda. I was trying to find his other runner up, but, um, maybe it goes back to two years ago, two seasons ago, I should say, but yeah, I mean, the guy hits it a mile, you know, everyone wants to talk about his quads, you know, calling him quadzilla and all these different things. And, uh, little guy, little guy, he's, they don't list his, um, I think he's like five, seven, five, five eight, five, seven. Nine. Yeah. Less him as five, seven. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of was – normally I would root against that guy when I'm watching <laughs> that. You know, normally I'm rooting for the Spieth or the Rory or, you know, but I, I wasn't really rooting against him. I guess it was – I was really rooting for – well, I was mainly rooting for Rory just because of my wallet. I had some money on him winning the tournament, and that would have got me out of a big hole. Uh, <laughs> but – Mike, why do you get yourself in these – 
fucking big holes. Well, you know, I'm not going to say what I want to say. Um, <laughs> at least what first comes to mind there with that big hole <laughs> reference. Um, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I just thought it was a very entertaining, uh, obviously, final round. There was all kinds of guys in the mix. There was guys going on birdie runs and they go on a bogey, um, go on a bogey train and, there's guys making doubles and Kitty Yama hits two balls out of bounds over the weekend and wins. He gets a ball of OB on nine, makes triple, still wins the event. He, one point I was like, this might be a six-way playoff. <laughs> you know, like there was so many things that could have gone on. And part of that is, you know, I think Bay Hill gets a lot of the architecture snobs don't like Bay Hill. And it's 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 a good golf, which is not great. It's actually kind of fun, I think. I've played it twice. If you're playing the right tee boxes. And it's you right. know, it's, I, I've played it. It's fun. It, it is. It's not. It's I'm not going to blow your socks off. No, it's not. It, it's it's absolutely not. And it is a good track. And there are some holes that are memorable only because we see them on TV. And yeah. that's where, you know, after playing, it was like, yeah, this is, this is a good track. But it, it doesn't strike me as one of the better golf experiences that I've ever had. Correct. I agree with that. It's but a, it does the way they set Florida, it up, it, Florida golf course. It does it lead to some drama and it's usually a good winner and a good event. And yeah. you know, those last three holes, you get the very easy par five that you're expecting everyone to get a birdie on, but then you got a stout, stout par three, stout par four to finish. And so it led to some drama. And I was thoroughly entertained, even though I watched most of it on it's my phone venue. at a brewery but look it, it it's a good venue at the end of the day mainly because of Arnold Palmer's history there um and i think that's what brings everyone to light and for anyone that doesn't know this is something that i figured out after being down here for a while and calling on them as a former customer of mine um you can go stay at that resort on property and it's only like 200 a night and you are treated as a member while you're on property. They yeah. that's what they kind of call it. It's like if you're there, you're Bay Hill Club and Lodge. If you're staying in the lodge. Right. Yep. It it very nice accommodations, very nice treatment. Um if anyone listening to this podcast is looking for a destination, Orlando is not always that destination. Normally that's a that's a family destination for Disney and everything mm-hmm. else that comes along with the Orlando market. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a cool spot to go. Uh, that's relatively affordable for the majority of you know the golfing population and you get to see some great history you get to play a tour course um it's not going to be in tour shape i mean it, it, it's always in good shape but it's not going to be what it is during the week of the tournament uh, yeah. that 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 is evident um but most tour courses it, aren't that's exactly right that's exactly right but at the end of the day it's going to be in great shape it's obviously very well funded um they have an incredible facility there they have a great staff there you know i've I've worked with kevin crawford matthew chin some of the professionals there at the course um they have an incredible staff there and they treat you like absolute gold while you're on property so for anyone out there looking for a golf trip to go play a tour course that's a spot that i would highly recommend highly yeah I, I, I've had a chance to play it twice. And, uh, the first time I played it, I was fortunate enough to meet, um, Mr. Palmer. And so I have a, a magazine that he had, had with his, him and his green jacket that he had signed for me. And so that was cool to chat with him for a couple minutes. And, you know, we were sitting down in the grill room after, and I forget who he was having lunch with. It was a, um, kind of an older LPGA 
player, but Annika Sorensen was at one table having lunch. Um, Suzanne Patterson was on the putting green. Dickie Pride was having lunch. Um, Robert Dameron from the Golf Channel. So it, it kind of has there. it kind of has that little um, you know mini celebrity vibe uh, to it when you're there cool. too. And they just redid the locker room. The locker room is incredible. It has a bunch of Mr. Palmer's uh, memorabilia in it. I was fortunate enough to have a meeting inside that locker room uh, this last year with the uh, professional staff there. And uh, actually with Mr. Kevin Crawford himself, head golf professional. Uh, It is a (laughs) very, very special facility. There's so much history to come back on it. And what I said earlier, I, I wasn't saying anything negative that it wasn't going to be always in tour shape when you got there. But a golf course that's ready for a PGA Tour event versus the majority of the weeks of the year. None you can't of, have it that way. It, that's that's unrealistic. It is it is in impeccable shape anytime you're going to be there. It is an incredible facility. They have a great golf course. The history behind it is unparalleled to most other facilities throughout the United States, other than a, a pebble and an Augusta and you know other facilities to that magnitude. But at the end of the day, it, it's a, it's a great track, an incredible facility. They treat you like gold when you're there. They have a, a, a very, a very inclusive, um, how's the best way to say it? A, a very inclusive outlook on how they treat anyone that's there and that that's hard to replicate i'm i'm sure some of that comes to mr palmer's um influence and how inclusive he was with the sport and wanting everyone to enjoy it and play their game and ultimately you know i i can't say enough great things about bay hill and i hope that more people get out and take advantage of the lodge accommodations and the golf course itself yeah it's a good spot like you were talking about it, it no PJ golf course should ever be in PJ tour condition for regular play because the members wouldn't be able to get around the golf course. You can't have rough that thing greens that firm and <laughs> yeah. fast. Yeah. It, it should never be like that. Or pace of play would be six hours and guys would be hating their lives. So, but um, yeah, it's always a, always a fun event and, uh, and didn't disappoint this year and, and Kitty Yama gets it done. Um and early in the week, you know, we saw they had those greens lightning. They had they to were, slow them down. They had to slow them yeah, down. Yeah, with the wind, wind forecasted for Friday, you know, they were watering the hell out of them, trying to slow them down. But they were they were pretty glassy. They were pretty white yeah. uh, looking on TV. Especially at the end of the – on Sunday, you could tell they had, they had burned them out a little bit to keep that speed up. I can only imagine Sunday night, Monday morning, there was a was lot – Covered in water. water. A lot of water that covered that golf course. What do you guys make of some of the other guys? Um, by the way, anybody knows Tim Tucker on the bag? I thought he retired from caddying. Or maybe he just wanted to get the fuck off of Bryson's bag. Um, caddying for Kurt Kitayama. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> hey, it, it, it obviously paid well. Um, you know, that should have been three hundred and sixty grand in his pocket. Yep. And at the end of the day, you know. It's very tough from a caddy's perspective to leave a top bag because it's so tough to get a top bag. But at the end of the day, some of these guys have the opportunity to go find those those younger up and coming players, which Kirk Kitayama obviously meets that that uh, you know resume repertoire, whatever you want to call it. Um, profile, profile, exactly right. That's that's the word I was looking for. 
Um, but that's that's what we've seen a lot of a lot of the great caddies have that opportunity. And I, I'm glad that it happened for him. Um, I think that there is a lot of young, good players out there that are willing to break through. And when they have the opportunity to get someone on the bag, it makes their team much stronger. You know, there's nothing that can be taken away from experience from either side of it, from a player or a caddy experience. You know, if if you're a player that doesn't have that experience, but yet your caddy does, he can kind of lean on you and be like, look, we got this. This is this is a situation I've been in numerous times. This is how we handle it. And that has to be a rewarding feeling as a player when you're out on the golf course, knowing that, you know, the other half of your team knows how to get through this and he can help coach you through it. Well, I also think a guy like Tim Tucker, I, I will give, it's be hard to say, I will give Bryson credit from the standpoint that Tim Tucker probably has more knowledge and data on how certain weather and lies and things affect a golf shot because of all the scientific work that Bryson had put into dew points and humidity and yeah, moisture it. on the ball and moisture on the face and how that affects certain things. And that that's, that's a great point, Mike. Not great. to say that Tim Tucker is going to talk the same way to Kurt as he does with, he did with Bryson, but he knows in the back of his head, like, Hey, we did this study on the driving range with a wet golf ball and a wet face with Bryson. And I know that, the ball, the spin rate changes a little bit. So this ball is going to come out a little, you know, so that, that can help a little bit with, with the work that he did with Bryson for so many years on, on those kind of things that a lot of other caddies don't have at, at their disposal, if you will. That's exactly right. And there's nothing to replace experience and knowledge and any facet of this world. If you have experience and have been there before, you have the knowledge that has helped guys get there before. You can't replace that with anything. Yeah. What do you guys make of, I think the two biggest guys that should be kicking themselves that I, I thought at separate points on Sunday were going to win were Spieth and McElroy. Each of them had solo possession of the lead at, at one point and faltered uh, down the uh, I, back nine. It was interesting. I don't know if you saw... So Rory makes that long putt on 13 for birdie, gets solo lead, then goes bogey, bogey. And on 14, he hit that awful eight iron on the par three that was way short and way left. And he came out afterwards that he didn't know he had the solo lead and he was trying to jump on an eight iron there. He said if he knew he had the solo lead at that point and had looked at the leaderboard, that he would have probably hit a soft seven more towards the you know center of the green and be a little more conservative. Versus jumping, jumping on the eight, and then yeah. he um, that's bullshit. Then he's, he ended up slipping, and that's bullshit. He, but Rory has never been, I, and I, I'm, I'm one of the biggest Rory fans there is. Like I, I think he's one of the most talented guys there is. I don't think he's one of the most clutch guys on tour. Uh, I think it was probably to his his benefit to not look at the the leaderboard. I think when he looks at the leaderboard, that's, that's why he didn't. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I, I think and I, he just happened to hit a bad shot at that time. But if he doesn't look at the leaderboard, if he never looked at a leaderboard ever, never, and didn't know where he stood and just played golf, he probably would probably would win fifty percent more than he does now. I think, and I, this is I'm, I'm I'm being hypercritical here, but I think he just. 
he gets too wrapped up into the, the, the setup and it's easy to do. I mean, not hard. I mean, it's easy, easy to get, get in that, in that realm. You're, you're, you're thinking about, you know, the, you know, the repercussions of winning the tournament or losing the tournament, whatever it is. But I think for, for somebody like Rory, um, him looking at the, the, the scores, the scores 10, or not scores 10, the, the, the leaderboard, um, that's, that that's a detriment for him. And, and we've seen it over and over. Like how many times have you seen Rory make a clutch putt on, on the 17th or 18th hole to win a tournament? Can you remember, you know, one tournament that Rory made a 20 footer to win a, win a major or win a big tournament? There, I mean, there, there's a couple, but at the end of the day, you're exactly right, Jay. You know, most of his wins come when he's a little bit out front and way out front gets it done. But I, I, I truly think that at the end of the day, you know, Kurt Kitayama won this golf tournament. Mm-hmm. The other guys didn't use it, didn't lose it. They put themselves in some tough, tough situations, which this golf course can certainly provide. And ultimately it, it gave them the, you know, opportunity to, make some of those mistakes you you have to be perfect on sunday in a pga tour event to win a golf tournament to a certain extent you know you you have to get it done and at the end of the day these guys didn't quite get it done and kirk kirk kitayama i apologize that mouthful but a lot of k's there a lot of k's um Kirk Kitayama got it done. He won the golf tournament. And I think that's something. Well, especially with that birdie on he made on 17. I mean, no one was. That's what I'm saying. That that's where, you know, you have to give him all the credit in the world of going out and actually doing it. You know, he, he got faced with a lot of adversity. He got, um, he had the entire field right behind him of all the top players and he got it done. And there's so much to be said about that because quite frankly, I saw where he was and I, I had basically counted him out, even though he was leading, but I looked at all the guys behind him. You know, he had Scheffler, Hovland, um, McElroy, Spieth. And you're just sitting there looking at it like, well, we know it's going to be one of those four guys that gets it done. I mean, Scheffler looked really good. You, you didn't expect him to not get it done uh, in that moment, but Kurt did. And you you just got to give him all the credit in the world of going out there, posting a number and capitalizing on the opportunity he got set in front of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have absolutely, all the credit to him, and uh, this is going to set him up quite handsomely. What is he? He's played on like what did I say, like ten different tours. I I think it's at least that many. But long story short, you know, it's awesome to see a guy persevere through that many stages of his professional career to end up making it and getting it done on the big tour. I mean, my hopes are that he's someone that we can really look to in the future um, as a guy that continues to compete. I mean, I think he has obviously a, a ton of experience and the amount of time that he spent on all those other, other tours has probably hardened him to the blows a little bit because I think he's put himself in that situation a lot throughout his career. And I think now he, he has the opportunity, but also a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to see how he can follow it up. Yeah. Um, 
go back to Roy real fast. Do you think he's rounding into form now? Is this a good sign or is this? Yeah, he he's on top. He's without question probably the best player in the world. I mean, rankings aside, because rankings to me only show a certain a certain segment of the golf. When you look at the current form, he's in really good form. It's hard to find a tournament that he doesn't tee it up in, and and he's in um, contention. I think going or not in contention. Well, I, I, he he hadn't had many of those recently. That's what I mean. You can't. It's hard to find a tournament that he's not in contention. That's exactly right. And I yeah. think going into the Masters, he has to be the obvious favorite. I don't know yeah. about obvious. I mean, because you know he he played well obviously last year, wins in in the fall, takes a long break. Wins over in Dubai, but then came over here in what was like T T twenty eight T thirty or something like that, and back to back events. Some great finishes. Yeah, some great finishes. Yeah. Good finishes. Not, I wouldn't say great, but at the same time, you know that that's where we as a golfing community view view wins and top tens so so um, aggressively because at the end of the day. A top twenty, a top thirty. That's still you're you're in contention. You're playing well, and I think it only sets him up, quite frankly, sure, to make that move into you know the winner's circle, and especially coming up on a major that you know he's had some historical success, and I think he will do. I mean, it's it's just hard not to paint him as the favorite for Augusta. I mean, there's just so many good guys. I mean, especially the, really the top three are all playing well. Uh, I'm, I'm really not going to, I'm I mean, not going to take too John much Rom? from, I'm what not going to take Rom? too much from that. I, I think it's in a, I, I'm not sure he loved the golf course. He made a couple comments. I think that might've affected his play. I, I don't know. I'm not going to overreact to two bad rounds from John Rahm. On no, a course that was playing really hard. No, you can't. But what you can take into credit is his complaining about course setup and the course itself. You can't take anything away from what the guy's been doing. You can't take anything away from where he's ended up in this event. The guy is on absolute fire, without question, the best player in the world currently, based off of what he's done recently. And we all know the best player in the world doesn't win every single event. He was in contention. He had a couple of falters. Um, this this wasn't even a speed bump to me in terms of what he's been doing. And I'm not a big John Rom fan, but what I am a fan of is good golf, and he's been playing a shit ton of that lately. Yeah, I think and it was an aber- aberration, and I think the condition or the, the setup or just the course in general didn't fit him, and it might have frustrated him, and it let, let him get to him for, a, you know, he shot, what, 76, 76 on Friday, Saturday. And I think it just kind of got to him for whatever reason. Well, it got to a lot of players. I mean, Shane Lowry shot 80 on Saturday, which yeah. no one saw coming. I mean, the guy plays good almost everywhere. He's got one of those games that travels as good as anyone does. But look, the course is gonna gonna bite guys at the end of the day. You're gonna have bad rounds. That is golf. But none of this steers me into the way to not make John Rahm one of the top contenders when it no, comes to yeah ab- absolutely this doesn't change my it's he's not like off his hut streak it doesn't affect how i think he's going to play this week one bit 
No, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think this venue is probably the best from him for him. Uh, I may be wrong about that. I've been wrong before. I also You're talking said, Bay Hill or TPC? Sawgrass. Uh, I also have been wrong before when I said that, you know, someone chipping cross-handed will never win a major. And Matt Fitzpatrick <laughs> showed me up on that standpoint. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, with what he's done, you can't count him out. And he's absolutely a threat anywhere he tees it up. I don't think this week is necessarily the week that provides him that opportunity to get back in the winner's circle. But I do think that he's gonna play, he's gonna play well. He'll make the cut. He'll probably finish somewhere between T30 and T20. Um, and he'll he'll log another good finish, he'll get some good experience. And going into the first major of the year, I think this is going to be. Uh, a really good, a really good opportunity for him to go ahead and get him a green jacket. Because mm, Augusta, the way he's been playing, Augusta sets up well for him. It really yeah. does. I'm, no, I'm not a John fan, but that golf course and the way he's been playing, it just offers a lot of opportunity. And I think at the end of the day, if we see McElroy and Rom going down 18 somewhere close to the lead and hopefully in contention together. Uh, it's not going to be surprising and it's going to be great golf. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I think the, the top three guys have solidified themselves as the best players in the world and, and they've separated themselves, um, between Rory Scheffler and Rom and the way that they've played in the last six months, even more than that, I'd say in the last year, um, I don't, I don't think it's even really close. I mean, you've got, you got Cantlay, who had some had some uh, stretch there. You've had Shoffley, who is the all the potential in the world doesn't get it done, hasn't gotten it done. Um, and then you've got Justin Thomas. Don't even need to comment there. I've already said what how I feel about him. One of the best players in the world. Um, best players in the world. If you consider the top twenty players in the world, you would throw him in the mix. <laughs> Um, sure. Yeah. 20 top 20. Come on, pro top 20 players in the world. You think you, you don't say, you're telling yeah. me he's not top 10. Well, no, I think he, I think he's definitely one of the top 20 players in the world. Yeah. In, in recent, in recent form in the last six, six, six to eight months. I don't, I think it's fringe to say that he's a top 10 player in the world. Go look at the stats. Go look at how he's played. Look at strokes gained, tee the green. Look at strokes gained putting. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think he is. I don't think he's a top five guy. I don't think he's a top ten guy. Um, that's just my recent form. Can he be? Can he? Can he show that streak of of that streak of brilliance? Sure, I think he can because he works hard. I will, I will give him that. He busts his butt. He's a tough dude. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm not uh, I'm not discounting the guy, the fact that the guy works his tail off and he's a tough-minded dude. He hangs out with Tiger. I love all of that about him. I do like the guy. But if we he's not in the same level as John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy right now. He's not. Well, no no one is not right, right now. A second. No, no one is right now. I, I just want to make sure that 
that's that's all I'm saying. He's not in the same level, and and Jordan Spieth isn't isn't either. I know he finished he shot seven under last week, finished in the top five, or I guess what did he end up finishing the top five at seven under? Is Jordan Spieth currently a top ten player? Mm, no, 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 nope. nope. And I think him and him and Justin Thomas are kind of in the same boat right now. They have the potential. They have the flair. They they have the flair for the dramatic, where they can have these moments where they can step it up and they can they can play some great golf. Um, and I do like that about both of them. And I like that about both of them more than I like about Rory. Like I love Rory because I think he's extremely talented. But I think. Jordan and Justin have a little bit more of a flair for the dramatic and they, they understand the situation. They can sometimes pull off these great wins when really they a little probably bit of a better, better grinders. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I'll give, I'll give Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas that credit. Um, but uh, in terms of, ta- again, we all know what talent means. I mean, talent is just, it, it, it is what it is. It's it, you, you have to, you have to finalize it. Like it, it's just a, it's a precursor to, to, you know, potential, like how good could you be? Okay, great. You've got a lot of potential, but like, did you close the deal? You know? And I think, I think that Jordan Smith and Justin Thomas have maybe overreached what, you know, their potential a little bit, which is awesome. And I think probably Rory is maybe has probably underreached his potential in a sense. Like this guy has been playing at an elite level since he was 18 years old, European tour golf winning golf tournaments at a professional level at 18, 19 years old. Like that's, and Jordan Spieth has kind of done the same thing, but I I would, from a talent standpoint, I would say that they're on different levels, but not on a, not on a, um, a clutch, uh, a clutchness level, you know, and I know we're making up, making up. We haven't seen that since Tiger though. And it's tough because we relate. everything towards him because of the generation that we grew up in the generation that we've seen and ultimately there's there's never going to be someone that was as clutch as tiger was because if you looked at his putting statistics they were never very great which is absolutely mind-boggling to actually look up and and find what his putting statistics were but in the moment he got it done better than absolute anyone he was talking about putting statistics Tigers, his putting statistics weren't weren't what we what we associate with Tiger, and that's the part that's mind-boggling. Because at the yeah. end of the day, as far as clutch, and on Sundays, he's the best putter that's ever lived, yeah. and we all view him as one of the best putters that ever lived. But if you look at his stats, they weren't what you would expect from someone that got it done as often as he did. And I think a lot of that comes down to the amount of greens that he hit and the amount of additional opportunities that he had to putt. Um, But it's, he has that mantra from being that clutch guy in the moment. He was able to get it done. He's able to stare it down in the moment and get the ball in the hole. And that's something that we'll never probably see again from any player. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to relating other players to their, their clutch ability, third pedal ability, it, it we related to Tiger because of our generation and what sure. we grew up in. Sure. And that may not be fair to those guys, but at the end of the day, you know, to see some of these guys in the moment, you know, they're not getting it done in our eyes. 
because what we were so used to was the best player of his time getting it done in those moments. At a, at an, an incredible an incredible rate, you know. Oh, oh. You know, but, but like perfect, Thursday, perfect Friday, example. Saturday, he was he wasn't that guy. It was Sunday in contention where he no. was able to gel up and he was able to get the ball in the hole at a, at an at an un, uncanny rate. Tiger played that. Uh, I played. I, I feel like Tiger played at a you know this decade golf. You know, the more and more of researchers, Mike. I know you're pretty into this. Um, but the more and more I read about decade golf in the last five to seven years, I feel like Tiger was ahead of his time, and he learned that from Jack Nicklaus. And, and, and these guys, it's like they they had this premonition of how to play golf. I'm like, wait a second. All I have to do is just hit the ball in the fairway with this simple shot, hit it in the middle of the green, and let these other guys screw up. You know, essentially. Well, you don't and even have to hit it in the fairway. You're just going to hit it away from trouble. If just hit it in the left rough. It's fine. Just hit it in play. It's in between the trees, in between the the, the water. Just give us give myself a shot to the green, and then find a way to hit the middle of the green. And if I have a wedge, then I can attack and hit a little closer, and then I can make my, you know, my my putts inside of ten feet or or putts inside of six feet, and if. I make a couple twenty footers, great. If I don't, that, then that's expected. You know, the, the 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 percentages are there for everyone to see. Like, and I know we, you know, Mike and McLean, you guys both have worked with work with players, and whether it's fitting or whether it's instruction, and players think that they should make more putts, and they really like you. You're not going to make a ten footer. You're going to make a ten footer one out of every ten putts for an amateur golfer. So just just expect that, and and you know what that that percentage may end up being. You make one out of one one putt from ten feet every three rounds. That doesn't mean you're not a good putter. That just means that that's just that's the way it works. That's you're percentage. right in that's, line with what, you're, what you're you, right in line. your ability level is. Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, but again, back to the main point with like with Tiger and how much he dominated. He was able to to make these putts at a clip that we have not seen under the pressure that that he was under, which is just crazy. So when I look at Rory, he hits that great shot, which uh, on 18, hits it to what was inside of 15 feet. Was he 12, 13 feet uh, for birdie on 18? I I don't know the exact distance, but I immediately I was like, he's not going to make it. I want to I make think, it. I think he's not going to make also, it because he, he never makes those putts. He's not, he just he doesn't he just doesn't have that innate like I'm you know I know what I need to do to make this putt. He just doesn't have it, and that's not a knock to how talented Rory is because I think he's an extremely talented guy. But Rory's going to win a bunch of majors by driving the ball three thirty off the tee hitting a bunch of greens and getting out to a two, three shot lead and then holding on. He's not going to come from behind and birdie the last three holes and make a 20 footer on the last hole to win. He's not going to do it. He rarely has done it. I, I can't, I can't even think of one time that he's done it, but you're I'm not, sure he not has, wrong. but you're not, he's wrong, not. But well, he, we, he came from way back in the, um, back in at the tour championship. Well, look, all I'm going to say is that our generation unfairly relates them to Tiger because we watched him in those moments. Sure. And at the end of the day, I don't think there's anyone that's going to get it done on the greens on Sunday the way Tiger did because he handled pressure differently. 
he handled in the moment differently than anyone had ever seen, which is why he's the greatest of all time. Sure. But we got so accustomed to seeing the number one player in the world close out events at a extremely high clip and close it out with an exclamation point. And we just don't have that player right now that has that ability to do so not to take away any, any talent from the top players in the world currently, not take away any thing that they've done currently to, to get to where they've gotten. But we saw the way that golf was won in a different way. And especially guys our age, we watched someone literally take over events. And on Sunday when he was in contention, there was no one that was feared more. And we don't have that guy that's feared the way that Tiger was. And we we might never will. We may never never see that again. We may never again. But that's where I think we unfortunately classify these guys in a similar in a similar aspect to where what we saw and what we expect from world number one yeah you're gonna see world number one bounce around with three or four or five different guys absolutely for a long time now i don't think there's gonna be one person that just gets number one has a stranglehold on it and has it for three four years I, i don't think that's where we are in the world of golf i think the guys are just gonna Get hot right. for a year or 18 months, and it's gonna then they're gonna go down, and some other guys gonna get hot for a few months, and then I think it's just gonna just bounce around. And we're never gonna see Tiger again. I maybe no, and it's unfair of us to expect that from the current players, quite frankly. It's it's it is unfair of us to expect that and have that expectation of this is what this tournament's gonna get closed out. Rory's gonna make three 20 footers on the last you know five holes to put himself in front of everyone. That's unfair of us to expect that from Rory. I'm not saying he can't do it because we know he can, but at the end of the day, to do it at a clip that Tiger did it from is is unrealistic to what we're going to see moving forward. And I think there's a lot of guys that maybe came before us or after us that may not have that expectation. But us, we're all very similar age group. We have all we all kind of grew up in the same golf world that we did. And now we're watching these guys and and we're not necessarily unfairly judge judging these guys, but at the same time, we got so accustomed to watching world number one go out and get it done, make these pus and and have these incredibly dramatic wins that we we get almost not unentertained, but at the same time, we don't have the same feeling of, I mean, think about it back in the day, we were texting everyone. We were, we were trying to figure out, we may not have been texting because it might've been before that, but we're, we're constantly saying, where's Tiger? I mean, I can remember being at my home course back in the day when I was a kid and I'd be on the putting green and I'd run back into the golf shop. Where's Tiger? What's he at? What's he doing? Where are we at? We don't have that figure in the sport right now. We have some great figures. We have some great players. We have some great people that are able to continuously take our sport and elevate it. But at the same time, what we saw and what we have now are two very different, very different landscapes on the golf community. Yeah, Tiger was transcendent. You're not going to get that often. Once in a generation. 
you, we may not see that for a hundred years. Yeah. So we really didn't see a player like that. Uh, uh, I'll be honest, you know, we can go back and look at the, <laughs> look at the stats there, but from 1997 and 2009, there was no player that dominated the dominated the field the way that he did. I mean, the Jack Nicholas did not dominate as much as I love Jack. He did not dominate at any one period. He dominated over the course of 30, 30 plus years. Um, but the only one that I could say that would be close would be Ben Hogan. Um, and then you could potentially say Bobby Jones early, early on, but the, we're, we're talking three players that really dominated an era uh, in the last a hundred years. Um, uh, we may not see somebody that can dominate at that level for another 30 years. It may, it, we may not see that. And, we're, and that's the same thing. we look at like, you know, comparing sports, like you look at Michael Jordan and basketball, people keep comparing, you know, LeBron James to Michael Jordan, and they keep comparing the stats like LeBron James, the all-time scoring leader, blah, 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 blah. It, it's, then we got, then we got Babe Ruth. And we got Babe Ruth. Let's, let's check out his stats. No, so I saw, I saw a stat earlier this week, and this one's mind-blowing to me. So if Tiger Woods only played in 1999 and the year 2000, so two years and nothing else, he'd have 17 wins and four majors. That's a better career than Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. That's a Hall of Fame career. And he'd, if he'd only played two years, two years. Sure. 17 years, 17 Same. wins and four majors, yeah. that is two years of Tiger golf. We're not, no. we're not going to see that again, most likely in our, no. our lifetime. I hope that we do. And I hope that it comes most likely when all three of us are decrepit and may, <laughs> may not, may not all three of us be around, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, John Rom's on a big tear right now, but it's still so far from the greatness that we we saw. And unjustly, we most likely judge all of these players based off of that. Yeah. And it's it's not necessarily a negative from us trying to justify it, but it's it's more of a positive for what the guy brought to the game. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, anything else on on Bay Hill? <laughs> Was that what we were talking about? Bay Hill. That's what we started on talking about. Bay Hill. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is fair. I, I kind of like. Don't stick to the script. I'll be honest. No, no, I know. I, know. I, I kind of like. I kind of like that. I but do too. Yes. We're just trying to keep um, it. Keep the show moving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't have anything else to say about Bay Hill. I mean, I, I, again, my my only my only thing with was. Uh, I, I did love how we had those three guys in the mix. Again, Rom was early in the week. He got off to an incredible start. And we're like, oh, he's going to dominate. This is over. And then he he faltered. And then it was Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy. And then he even had Spieth in the mix. Um, and, I, I, again, I, I, as much as I love Rory, and I think he's uh, – he he's a he's a great uh, spokesman for the PGA Tour and for golf in general. I do think that there's, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like he doesn't have that killer instinct that Tiger had, or maybe some of the other greats have had in the past. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not I'm not critiquing him in a negative way. I just think that he is his rare or his 
uh, his mark will probably be laid not in how many majors he's won, but how he has continued to push the development and uh, the continuation of the progression of the PGA Tour and the best golf in the in the world. It, it seems like he's taken ownership of that, and I think that's what we're going to see from him for the next 15, 20 years. And I'm sure he's going to continue to play good golf, but I think he's going to be a, spokes, a spokesman uh, for the PGA Tour and not just the PGA Tour, but just professional golf in general. Like, how can we get the best players playing together? And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Well, that's, so that's a great transition, Jay. Very professional of you. As I we mean, transition I, you know, to the, that's that's to what the I next, do. The next topic: the PGA Tour has announced a bunch of changes. We still don't know all the details as far as what the the dates of the events are going to be, but the 2024 season is going to look different. So I'm sure most people, um, this was almost a week now that this came out. It's uh, I'm sure most people, if they're listening to this podcast and they're this yeah. far in, then they know what the changes are to the PGA Tour schedule. But to go over them real fast, we know calendar year, there's going to be eight elevated events to go along with the three playoff events, the four majors, and the Players' Championship. Um, the Genesis Memorial and um, Arnold Palmer Invitational are going to stay elevated. Um, the other ones we're unsure of. There's been some whispers and rumors um, on maybe Pebble's going to be elevated next year and rotating around and this and that. They're dropping the mandatory requirement for these guys to play in these events. They are dropping the PIP from 20 and 100 million back down to 10 and 50 million. And the big kind of talking point that has come about is that these elevated, these eight elevated events are going to be limited field. They're talking 70 to 78 players and no cuts. They're also going to structure the calendar where you're going to have two designated events in a row. Then there's going to be three non-designated events and then two designated. And that's kind of how the calendar will um, be put together January through um, like basically Labor Day. Top 50 in the FedEx Cup points are guaranteed entry into the next year's elevated events. And then the remaining of the field are um, made up of current forum FedEx Cup points uh, and some other um, sponsors exemptions. So, uh, gents, what are, your, what are your thoughts? I have a few. I'll jump in. I, I do not like the limited field events. I don't like 70 to 78 players um, at all. Uh, I, I know the players probably like it. The top players probably like it because it's a guaranteed guaranteed cut and it's guaranteed money. Um, but I, I feel like they're succumbing to the pressure from the live, live tour. Um, I don't like it. I think it diminishes the product. Um, it diminishes the the drama of, of watching Thursday and Friday um, when you don't. There's no cut. Um, again, that's what that's. These are the things that we don't like about the Live Tour, and I, I don't. I really don't understand why they decided to go that route. And, and, and maybe there's something that I'm missing, and, and somebody could give me some insight on it. But my initial reaction when I heard that, I was like, "What are you? What are you doing? Why would you do this? You you have the upper hand here." 
why are you backing off? And we've we've all seen the the live tour make their post. You know, flattery is the 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 best. Yeah, it's like, why are you doing this? You don't have to do this. You have the upper hand. You have the best players in the world. You don't have to do. You don't have to drop back to these these limited field events, like and no cut events. Like I, I don't know. I, I'm I, I was really upset about it in a sense, not upset. But just like I was like, man, you guys are making such such progress. You know, you're building, you're feeding off of of what they did. Why are you dropping back to this? Like this is diminishing the product, in my opinion. Like you're you're dropping backwards. You're going backwards. I'm not a, not a fan of the of the limited field events. I hate the WGC events. If I haven't already said this, I hate them. I think it's stupid. Four rounds, guaranteed cut. There's no pressure. You take a guy from the Asian tour and he gets he gets a spot into the uh, WGC event and and there's no pressure to make the cut, give him four rounds to make some birdies. He finished 20th, he finishes 20th, he gets him a bunch of FedEx cut points, world ranking points, and it's like, wait, wait, wait a second. You there's no real pressure there. All you had to do was just keep playing golf. Like that's making the cut is is there's pressure there. So anyway, I, I mean, I'll get off my soapbox. No, so for me, it was a, it was a. I'm not going to say love hate. I'm going to say hate love, um, thought. And so I am like you. I, I, I hate the fact that there's not going to be a cut. I hate the fact that it's only 70, 78 players. Uh, I think inherently, when you eliminate a cut and you limit the players you are inherently making the event less competitive yeah that's one of my biggest issues with live and so it's going to be an issue with these events i'm not going to sit here and just say because i'm a, a you know call me a pj tour supporter and a live hater that i'm going to say these are great and lives not no i don't like no cut events i i think that's part of the inherent challenge of our sport is making a cut and one of we just talked about Tiger. One of his greatest feats is his consecutive cuts made streak, and I, I forget what it is. One forty-two. It's, it's absurd. It's one of the best stats he has, and we can't really ever refer to that, or no one's ever going to beat it now because it's not going to be legit if someone beats it. Um, now, granted, I get that there's been no cut events every year, and for a long time, and even back when Jack and Arnie played, there were no cut events. And I, I get why they're doing it for three reasons why they're doing it. Because the top players want it. They want a guaranteed paycheck. And this is a way to get them guaranteed money without giving them a salary or whatever. The sponsors want it because the sponsors want to know that John Rahm is going to be there for four days so they can entertain clients and sell the tickets. And some guy bringing his kid can go see John Rahm even if he's 20 shots back. And the TV partners want it. Right? So... The three biggest factors want it. The fourth factor is the fans. We don't like it, but we're not as important as the top three. Uh, sponsors, TV, top players are the most and, important and, thing. And I and I I, I totally I, I agree with you 100. percent Like if from a from a organizational standpoint, PJ Tour. From a sponsorship standpoint, uh, I understand. But in the in the grand scheme of things. Where does the money come from? 
The money starts sure. with the money starts with the viewership. And if if no one watches the PGA tour, if no one cares, then there's no money for the sponsors. There is no PGA tour. And these players don't have a place to play. So again, I know I'm thinking I'm thinking three, four steps ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they continue this trend, it's a, it, it it becomes a it becomes a hit and giggle. Like, oh, there's no pressure. I, I don't care. I won't watch Thursday, Friday. Maybe I'll tune in on Saturday. Uh, you know what? I got something else going on. It's not that big of a deal. There's only 70 guys playing. Maybe I'll watch Sunday afternoon. And now the viewership goes down, 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 and down. You know, uh, again, like, are you going to watch, you know, any other event where it's a guarantee? Like, uh, are you going to watch, like, a a, a basketball, uh, you know, a conference championship where there's a buy? And, like, again, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm spitting, you know, off the cuff here. But, like, if you know that this team's going to make it to the next round and it doesn't matter – then why I don't care. There's no drama. I'm not going to watch. But so why am I going to watch Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if they're all going to make the cut anyway? Like it, it, it you you lose the, the the viewership is not as intrigued with the result of Thursday and Friday. It's only Sunday afternoon, which I know we already have that already. So it's like if you take if you take the cut element away and you and you lower the field. Then it's not. Then there's no. The 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 drama is gone. Like what? Why people want the drama? They that's why they watch. I mean that's why people watch Real Housewives, you know, on whatever channel that is. Like well, because you, it's, you also it's eliminate crazy. the underdog. You yeah. eliminate the underdog, and that that is another you know part of the drama that people like getting involved with. I mean, I'll say this: I I don't like it. I don't like it. The only thing that I see as a benefit from the PGA tour standpoint is that I, I don't think you see any more of the top players go to live. I don't think anyone else is going to leave based off of the changes that they've No, made. they won't leave now. Not, not a chance. And I think you'll have some lived guys want to defect back to the PGA tour. Yeah. Uh, I think you could, you could see that. Um, 100%. So this is a draw for them. This is a draw for, you know, the top players in the world, but this does not benefit the game in any any stretch of the imagination. And I would also think that I think also created a thing where we we viewership as a whole. Like the PGA tour may look at this as a win, like, hey, we're not gonna lose any more top players, but we're gonna lose, you know, 10 million viewers because of this. Like, is that a win? Is that a win for your sponsors? Is that a win for your uh, the charities? No, it's not a win. Like people, if people stop watching professional golf, then you have nothing. You have nothing. The whole reason that you have the P, the PGA Tour, the whole reason you even you even have an organization is because people like to watch professional golf. They like to watch it. They tune in and they come. They come to watch. If you don't have the viewership, if you find a way to push them away to other sports or another something something else to watch on Saturday and Sunday, then then then, then, then you have nothing. You have nothing. I don't care how good the players are. I don't good. I don't care how good your organization is. I don't care how how smart the people are in your in your organization, your upper management. If people don't watch, you have nothing because then you don't have any sponsors, and then players don't play. There's no money. 
Like, yeah, see you later. The sport goes away. This was an obvious attempt to stop players from going to live. Yeah. This was an obvious attempt to try and get some of their players probably back. But it's not good for the game. It's not good for the sport. Yeah. You know? I would have liked to see them have done like a hundred player field with top 50 and ties making the cut top 55 and ties making the cut. And then I would have been fine. If you would have said, Hey, the guys that missed the cut, you're getting 20 grand. If you, if you qualified, you're good enough to make this field off of previous play FedEx cup points, current year. Hey, as a, as a bonus for making this field. Yeah. We're going to cut you, but you're guaranteed 20 grand. Sure. That, I'm, I'm down a, with that. I would I would have been fine with with that. I just think there's something about grinding the first few days to make the cut that I that I like. The part that I do love about this new plan is it's still pretty heavy a meritocracy as far as qualifying based off of merit in your play to get in the top 50 of one year to get into the field. That's going to make people grind and grind and grind. They're already what we already had liked on this podcast was that they're um, this current this for this year for the first time, only the top 70 are guaranteed their full card. So that we're gonna get some more churn in the membership. We're not gonna have these guys that just sit on the tour and make a bunch of cuts and don't really do anything and just sit here for 15 years. There's gonna be way more turn and it's gonna make guys like, oh shit, I gotta get in that top 50. And there's some decently big names over the last couple of years. If you go back and look, guys that would have been outside of this top 50. Ricky Fowler is probably the biggest name in in recent years that that people know, um, and it's going to reward the guys that play well in those three weeks in between the designated events. The Eric Coles of the world that we talked about a couple of weeks ago or last week uh, at Honda, they can then play well in those three weeks and get into these. So that is still for the lesser guy, the rank and file on the PGA Tour. They still have something to play for. They can still get in these. And so I do love the fact that you're going to get some turn that the young guys or yeah. the journeyman no. guys can can actually get into these fields but, based but off of the current year play. We've gotten that. We've gotten that even if they'd kept it at 156 man field. Like what? What was but the? Now there's a, but now there's with with a limited field. I will say there's more urgency, and so you're going to get some of those better fields. You're those those sorry the lesser fields, the lesser the non designated events. You're going to get more guys there grinding to get into these because there's such a, a restricted. Yeah, no, no, I, I could see that to some extent, but I don't think that the the uh, the pressure to to qualify for those events doesn't outweigh the the uh, the the lack of uh, or the 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 thought of missing those events. So it, it just, they don't balance out, like in my opinion, like. You know, hey, there was 156 man field. Like it's still there's still a, a high priority to get in those events if it's an elevated event. Like by you dropping it to a 70 man or 78 man field, like that doesn't increase the the value in a sense that it, the money is still there. It's still a prominent event. Like I, it just it doesn't balance out in my opinion. Like it's still a big event, like 156 man field event. It's an elevated event. I need to play in this event. If I drop it to 78, 70, 72, 
it's still a big event and it's still a lot of money and I still want to be in it. So what, what, where's the benefit to it's, you're not creating any urge, any more urgency for guys to try to play in these events by dropping it, dropping the field. All you're doing is diminishing uh, the value from the viewership. Like how many players am I going to be able to watch? And, and what's the urgency for the players to play well while they're playing and as a viewer, I'm watching. I'm like, okay, no cut, 78-man field or 70, whatever it is, 76-man field, 72-man field. There's no urgency from these players. Monday or Thursday and Friday, like, they don't give a shit. Who cares? But if it's an elevated event with $3.6 million at, up for grabs for first place, and I've got a full 156-man field, these guys are grinding Thursday and Friday, and and you're going to see some guys fail. You're going to see some top name guys succumb to the pressure. Which, well, I think there's a, more, think there's more chance for guys to fail now. The big guys, there's more chance for them. If only 50 guys are getting guaranteed entry into all these in the next year, and a guy has a bad year and finishes 60th, he's going to miss out on all those. But the, the, where they, if there was 156 getting in the field. He's in. If he finishes 60th, he's in all those. You know what I mean? But not, but not as a viewer. I, I do. I agree with you. Yes. There's more. There's more. It's a tighter window for them to get into that event. But from the viewer, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I'm not paying attention three weeks ahead to see if, whether this guy's going to qualify for the event. I'm just watching the event. Right. You're, you're going to tune in. on. Yeah. Tune in on on Thursday and Friday to see if this guy makes the cut. Like, hey man, I've been pulling for Jordan Spieth. I want to make the cut, you know, because I want to watch him on the weekend. I, I'm not I'm not watching him three weeks prior to see if he's going to qualify for the event based on his points and based on his money. Most people, most viewers, are not paying attention to FedEx Cup points and and money lists to see if they qualify for the next event. They're going to just watch. No, that, that's up to the TV. Win. That's up to the TV product to tell sure. you, hey, this guy has to finish top five this week. If he gets top five, he's got enough points to get into the next week's event. That's up to I, the TV to, to tell those to tell those stories in the non-designated events. I agree. I agree. But we we all know that they have not done a great job of that in the last Correct. fifty years. So what what is to say that they're going to do a better job of that? I'm not saying that they are, they aren't, but they 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 haven't done a good job of that. There could potentially be more storylines than we get now. Well, there there should be more storylines um, for us to follow that, but we know that they haven't done that in the past. That's one of the biggest qualms with most viewers is that I don't know who the hell these guys are. Like I want to know who they are, and and I'm not getting that information. So what's to say that they're going to do that in the next two years for these for these you know high profile elevated events with seventy some players? Uh, I mean, why would they all of a sudden start doing it now? You know, they haven't done it in the yeah, past. I agree with you there. Have, 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 they've had every opportunity to do it. So, I, you know, again, I, I think I think. <laughs> I would I would love to see I would love to see uh you know I I I don't I don't want to be too critical so I I'll, I'll I'll step back but I want to see the best players play and we've all said this we want to see Well the best so that's what players. that's what we're getting at the end of the yeah. day as much as I don't like the limited field and I don't like the no cut aspect of it we are getting the top players playing together 
way more often. It's going to be better than the product was last year, two years ago. It's going to create, if the TV can do it, it's going to create more storylines. It's going to have more churn. There is a meritocracy still that your play actually matters. And at the end of the day, I think most viewers, they just want to watch the top guys anyways. They, you know, the the Kurt Kitayama stories are cute for a minute, but at the end of the day, they want to watch Rory against Rom and Scheffler and JT and Finau. And they that's what that's what sells, right? I mean, I, I've always said this in all other sports. It's like everyone's like, oh, America loves the underdog story. Not really. The best Super Bowls and the best NCAA championships and the best World Series and whatever are always when like the two studs are going at it. And you look at ratings, it's when the studs are going against each other, not when that's the real pulls the upset. That's the greatest story ever. If they pull the upset, but when you actually look at like viewers or like America likes winners, right? So they like I think if, I think the whole America Lux underdogs thing is is cute if they win, but at the end of the day, they'd rather see two heavyweights going up against each other. Sure, sure, yeah, uh, yeah I, would, I, I would agree with that. And, re- and revenue and TV numbers say that on on like every sport. With golf, it's in my opinion, it's so it's so it's so scattered, like it's so broad and it's it's spread out so much. Like you can have a you can have a great player that's. 80th in the world that's say they've been playing some great golf, you know, prior to, um, but they're not in the top 70 or whatever. Um, and they can still compete and make it, a, make it a great tournament. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just hate how you, we limit, we limit the, uh, we, we, are, we limit the, uh, the cut making aspect. Cause that's a huge part of, of playing professional golf. Um, if that's the case, if you want to eliminate the cut, then yeah, we're going to move to, we're going to move to a three round tournament and we're going to move to a live golf format. Uh, and if that's what everybody wants, then, then fine. Then live golf was going to, is going to thrive. So, you know, my opinion is PGA Tour, why are you, why are you demeaning your product? You've got such, you got so many good players. Why are you going to take a step back and, 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 and and put yourself in a position where you're going to be evaluated with the with the live tour. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I think I, I think the PJ tour is in an unenviable position here because they're trying to appease so many different facets, right? So that, you have that's the first mistake. You have the top the guys, mistake. the top guys saying, "We bring the viewers, we bring the sponsor dollars, we want to make more money." But then you have the lesser guys saying, well, you know, you can't just forget about us. Da, da, da. And then, but you also have, now you're going to the sponsors and saying, hey, MasterCard, hey, AT&T, you now need to put up $20 million for this purse. And then they're going to say, well, I better have the fucking best guys on the in the field. I want them at my event playing on the weekend. So yeah, I'll give you the 20 million, but you better guarantee me these, these guys are playing on the weekend. So they've yeah. got so many different people in in facets trying to get their own piece of the pie or their own wants and needs, and the PJ Tour is stuck in the middle. So it is. I'm not saying they've handled it perfectly, but it's it's a very challenging, unenviable position where you got a lot of different forces pulling in different directions. No, you're right. You make, you make a good point because again, you're trying to, um, you know, multiple people. Like you've got the players. Oh, already mentioned are the 
the players are what makes the tour. You know, if you don't have good players, then you don't have a tour. But at the same time, if you don't have sponsors, then the players don't come. So they they kind of they come they come together. But, but then even in the player pie, there's difference in opinions because you got the James Hans of the world bitching and moaning this week that he's pissed okay, that it's uh, only only the elites running the tour and and sorry, so you should have played better. No, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I yeah. definitely agree with that. I, I 100 percent agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm not throwing shade on James. He's a good guy. He's a good player. Um, but hey, play better. Play better. You, you can't critique Rory McIlroy uh, because he beat your ass for the last ten years. If you if you have a problem with Rory and what he is what what he what he's vocalizing, then you need to play better. Uh, and it is, it is what it is. I mean, let's not, we can't, we can't succumb to every single person's opinion. Anyway, I think we've, I think we've belabored it, that point. A yeah, bit. no, I mean, you, and, and that's where, I mean, it's just, it's just challenging because you have 50 guys making all the money and I'm not talking the purse money. I'm talking about the TV deals, the sponsored deals that all that money is coming because of the top 25, 30, 40, 50 guys, wherever sure. you want to, wherever you want to draw that line. But then yeah. there's also another 150 guys that have their car that are members of the PGA tour. And, and that's where this power struggle is. I do think personally that that 150, the bottom 150 has influenced too much of the tour over the years. And now it's starting to level a little bit where that top 50 is saying, Hey, we're the reasons, John James Hahn, that you made twenty million dollars in your career as a journeyman, yeah. you know. And so, yeah. Anyways, there's there's yeah. all got like I said, it's a love hate relationship with me. These changes, I don't like the small fields. I don't like the no cut, but the other changes I do like. So there's there's bits and pieces of it that I that I'd love and, and dislike. So um, yeah, Absolutely. we'll we'll see where it goes. I, I, there's yeah. still details that come out that. Uh, it, it does sound like like the players are still going to have a cut. Memorial Bay Hill Genesis sounds like it's still going to have a cut. And um, we'll just kind of see where they go and, and what other requirements and non-requirements or what events get them and how the schedule looks and all that kind of stuff. So there's still some things to be to be ironed out. Um, but I, I do think we're, we're getting a, a – it might not be the perfect product that I like, but it will be a better product than we had the last five years because we'll have the top guys playing together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that's, uh, I think we can all agree, uh, all agree that that's been one of our goals is to get more of the top guys playing together. Yeah. Uh, I, the one caveat to that is that they're playing together with no pressure. That's that's my that's my that's my yeah, thing. I agree. I, agree I would with that. prefer I would prefer to have ten elevated events, full fields, go get it. Like that's where the drama is, and I I, I personally I think that we'll see that. Like I never watched a WGC event because I don't give a shit because th there's no pressure. Well, at least at least these events won't have the random guys from the, the Asian tour yeah, and you know sure. that kind of thing in there. That should that should help. But um, no, you're right. That should help a hundred percent. But I, I rarely watched the WGC events until Sunday afternoon, unless somebody that I knew was playing because there was no pressure. It didn't matter. 
Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday didn't matter. Um, so if if that's the if that's the way that the PJ Tour wants to operate their business, then I'll probably tune in Sunday afternoon, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm not going to watch Thursday and Friday because it doesn't matter. Like I, there's no drama. It doesn't matter. Like John Rahm is, you know, shot three over on, on Thursday and needs to shoot five under on, on Friday to make the cut to try to make a run to win the tournament. I'm not going to watch that because it doesn't matter. So yeah. uh, I think, I think it diminishes the product in my opinion. And I think the viewership is going to, I think you're going to see that in the next three to five years. If that's the path that they continue to go, I think it's going to hurt the, it's going to hurt the viewership of watching professional golf. Uh, it, honestly, I think it helps the live, uh, it helps the live tour like, okay, well, I can watch this, this freebie golf tournament for the PGA tour, or I can watch this freebie golf tournament uh, for the live golf tour. Oh, and they've got music. They've got, uh, you know, all kinds of other things going on. They've got girls making out on, you know, on the CW, like, okay, uh, maybe I'll tune into that for a little bit. Cause why would I tune into the PGA tour on Thursday and Friday? It doesn't matter. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. Like there, there are plenty of people who would, who would say, yeah, oh, there's nothing, there's no, nothing drawing to watching the PGA tour on Thursday and Friday. If it's a guaranteed cut, like, I don't, I don't know. I think I think they're taking away from what they what they what strengths they have. And yeah, you know, I don't I think it's a move in the wrong direction. But sure. Okay. Uh McLean. Anything else? Yeah, no, I mean, ultimately I I don't think this is a better move for the sport of golf. I think it... I mean, for lack of, you know, wanting to go back into it too deep, it's just, it's too similar to what their competition is providing. And for a tour that has been so adamant about not succumbing to what they're trying to do. I, I don't think sport. it's that similar, but you're talking eight, eight events I, out of 38. I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking what they're trying to do for the top players that's that's where it comes down to me a little bit yeah i mean there's no guaranteed contracts but no guaranteed contracts but at the end of the day there's so much money that's there to play for and at the end of the day we know that the pga tour is going to be long term you're not going to see any players i don't think you'll see any more top players defect i i think you'll actually have more guys from live some of the top guys over there start to try to figure out a way to get back onto the pga tour that's what I yeah. think. This, this, I think uh, I think you're dead yeah. on there. Yeah, I can that's, agree with that. That's where I think this ultimately leads to, because it does offer that some. It offers that bit of middle middle ground, that middle road, that if this had already been a part of the equation, you probably would not have the amount of players that we have on live now. So, um, all right. Not well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out again over the next year to eighteen months on yep. no, how exactly the, right. the landscape of professional golf changes and adapts, and there'll be more changes, I'm sure. Uh, exactly right down the line. So, let's um, let's get into this week's designated event. Let's talk some picks. One of, one of my favorite events of the year: the players. 
it's um also I think one of the hardest events to pick on the PGA Tour schedule because it has had all different kinds of winners at this place. The anyone from number one player in the world to no names like Craig Perks to short hitters to long hitters to straight hitters to crooked hitters to good putters to bad putters to you name it, it's all over the place. Um McLean, you won again. So we'll let you go first. McLean. Oh, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I, I've got a squad this week. Feeling big about it. Uh, Feeling top big dollar, about it. Top dollar. One of the top players in the world. Uh, Mr. Justin Thomas at 9,400. The guy's got an all-around game that I just feel suits this facility. Uh, moving just below him, his good buddy, Jordan Spieth. Uh, I think, again... <laughs> A guy who's just all around going to get it done. He's just trying to piss off. He's just trying to piss off, Jay. Jordan. Jordan Spieth. Um, Just under him, a guy who's in good form, Mr. Cameron Young. Uh, I think this, he may be, he may be the, the worst pick on my team from the standpoint of golf course versus game. But I do think ultimately the guy has proven himself to be a competitor at a bunch of different venues. And as we know, this venue has provided a bunch of different players the opportunity to be successful and win. So Cameron Young got him at 8,500. Moving south from there, Mr. Tyrrell Hatton, Mm 8,300, guy that was in contention for a little bit this past week in good form, playing well, Um, like him a lot. And then, uh, Moving down a little bit of the old guard that has ultimately also shown himself to be in top form, Mr. Adam Scott. And rounding out my team with what I can only imagine is the best value pick of the entire field, I got Keith Mitchell at 7,400. I like like this squad. Now, I've said that a lot, and this has always, always come back to bite me, but... um, now I'm looking for a bunch of cut makers here. All right. I like it. Couple couple uh same names as me. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go second. I always go last, and you guys always take all my picks, and somehow I I have like two to actually talk about. So I don't know if I love my team. I, I had like 15, 16 guys I was looking at, and then how I put them together in my with my salary cap. I'm not sure I, I completely love it, but I'll start at the bottom. I'm going to start with Mr. Adam Hadwin. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. is a sneaky, solid ball striker. Um, He's a fantastic putter, but he's a better ball striker than people give him credit for. Um, Had a good finish here last year. I like him at $7,100. Then I'm going up to Keith Mitchell. Been playing solid, playing well. I think his game can translate to this golf course. And it's just been been trending all year. So Kashmir Keith at 7,400 is on my squad. Then I go up to Chris Kirk. Just one, obviously, at um, at Honda is feeling it. Missed the cut here last year. Has a little bit of a spotty track record over the years at this golf course. There's no one that has, in all honesty, a great track record. You're going to see missed cuts and then a you know T4 and then a missed cut and then a 11th from some of these guys, but I like Chris Kirk at $7,900. Then I go up to the guy. I'm going to make a, a, 
commandment right now on this show. I am picking this guy. I have not picked him at all this year. I am picking him until he wins this year because he is going to win. $8,000, Jason Day. All right. Well, we just picked the same fucking squad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's Jason Day is playing awesome, awesome golf. High finishes every week. He will win again. Kind of that Justin Rose redemption that we we saw at Pebble Beach a few weeks ago. Jason Day, I'm picking him every week until he wins. You need to put, put some money on Jason Day this week. Okay, I will. I'll dig my dig my hole even deeper that I'm in. <laughs> then I go up to two of my bromance guys. I get a lot of them on tour, but two of them, $9,400, Mr. Justin Thomas, one of the top players in the game, loves this place. His game is starting to trend. Uh, past a couple I mean, 21st at Arnold Palmer, 20th at Genesis, 4th at Phoenix. I mean, if you like top 20s, I guess that's trending. Pays well. Not yeah, higher, higher finishes than, than Rory. Pays so, well. Really? Rory finished second last week? Okay, so he has a second, but then his other ones are like 32 and 29th. So Just the, the previous two, but look. Look at the look at the events prior to that. I understand that, but I'm just talking in the last month or so. He's trending, and he likes this place. Not more so than Rory, though. It depends on what the what you want to do. It's it's they're similar, Jay. I love both those guys. They're both two of my bromance guys. I love them both. I'm trying to defend both of them here at the same time, and the argument's hard. Guys. I love these guys too. Um, and then. My my other bromance guy, $9,900, Max Homa. I'm going to yeah. ride him. I'm going to ride him while he's hot. You know, these hot streaks don't last forever. Yeah. I and love I'm going to keep picking him until he lets me down. Yeah. And again, he's got a, just a solid game with no major weakness. He can kind of do it all. And this is a golf course where if you can do it all pretty well, you're going to play well. I don't think he gets flustered from tough golf courses or bad breaks or that kind of stuff. So, um, $9,900, Max Homa, and that's my squad. And after talking about it, I now love it more than I did about five minutes ago. There we go. There we go. Look at the last two, three, four, five. nine events. Back off the mic. Yeah. He's not finished outside of, I mean, he's got one tournament outside the top 25. One. One tournament in the last twenty, or I'm sorry, the last nine events outside of the top twenty-five. That's that's pretty incredible. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's on really, a lot of different golf courses. On a lot of different golf courses. This is not just West Coast Max Homa. I love Atlanta Greens. This is Max Homa. I can play anywhere. Yep. Which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. I I wish I would have found a way to put him in in the lineup here. Um. I still may, but um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll drop uh, I'll drop to the bottom here. Picks. Um, all right. Back up just there. Back up just there. <laughs> so we got at sixty eight hundred. We got Jonathan Vegas. Wow. Um, he's actually had a pretty decent uh, course history here. So. <laughs> Um, I wish I could tell you exactly what he has done here uh, in the past, but um, you know, through all of the issues with my, the apps that I have open right now, 
I'm having having trouble explaining that. So I'll he just a solo third in 2019. Johnny Vegas. Um, he did have solo tens. Exactly. Thank you, Mike. So you you saw exactly what I saw. So um, then I jump up to I, – I'm not going to lie. I feel like I got a good squad here. I got a good squad. Keith Mitchell, been, he's been playing some incredible golf. I know, Mikey, we have some he similar guys here. Entirely. All three of us have him, so he's canceled out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So I feel like I, I'm, I'm obligated to put him in because he's playing well. So I, if I don't put him in, um, and as, as well as he's been playing, I feel like I'm at a, a – I'm, I'm behind the eight ball. So – 7400 bucks, Keith Mitchell. Um, then I jump up to Mr. Jason Day, who Mikey has has explained how well he's been playing. I do think that Jason Day is going to play well. If he does not win, he's going to finish in the top 10. Uh, he's finished in the top top 10 uh, four of the last five events, uh, the top 20 in the last five events. Uh, so he's, he's the guy's trending. Uh, he's made some great swing adjustments. If you haven't haven't already seen those, um, so he's moving in the right direction. Eight thousand bucks. Then I jump up to Mr. Tyrell Hatton. Uh, Eighty three hundred bucks. Obviously played great last week. Finished poorly. Bogey on seventeen. Missed a very makeable birdie putt on eighteen. Uh, but playing some good golf. Seems like he's not beating himself up too badly, which is a that's great. That's a lot for him. That says a lot for him. You know, he missed, he bogeyed 17 and missed a very makeable birdie putt on 18, and he did not break a club. I didn't hear him yell any curse words in those two holes. So I feel like he's he's really comfortable with his game. He's very um, confident. So, and we all know that uh, TPC Sawgrass is going to test you to the nth degree. Um, so, Anyway, 8300 bucks. Tyrell Hutton, he's going to finish in the top 10. I just count it. Um, I'm almost embarrassed to say who these last two pe- people are. Um, I'm actually going to go up to my top pick, Mr. Patrick Cantlay. Mm. Um, $9,700. Bucks. Patrick has, has played some really – he's played some good golf, not necessarily at – uh, TPC Sawgrass, but he's played some great golf. I really miscut it at Phoenix. He's played really, really solid golf in the last seven or eight events. Even, even beyond that, he played poorly at the FedEx uh, St. Jude last year. But beyond that, he's only finished outside of the top 10 three times in the last 10 events. I mean, the guy is playing great golf. And he he's really, in my opinion, underrated. Yes. Um, he's really underrated in how well he's been playing. The only caveat to that, like I said, is he has not played well at this golf course. He does not have a great uh, course history. He's missed the last three cuts here. But I feel like for a guy like that with that caliber uh, of player, following the trend of TPC Sawgrass and the Players' Championship, we always see a winner that you would not expect. And I feel like... He's a guy that people are counting out based on his course history, but he's been he's in great form. Like I feel like he can play any golf course at any time. So anyway, Patrick Canley uh is uh is my my top pick. And then I drop back to my I don't even want to say it. Do it. I do feel like he 
finishes in the top five or wins this week? Do you know who it is? It's got to be Justin Thomas, but <laughs> it's ninety four hundred bucks. It's Justin Thomas. <laughs> it pains me to to put him at the top of the list here, but he has been uh, trending in a better. A, a, a better yeah, shape here in the last, the, the last six events. Um, and Man, you, you grilled me about my comment that said he was trending, and you had him on your team. I, I, I well, you know, so I have like two players between us that are going to decide this thing. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need Patrick Cantley to play poorly. Although I had Cantley on my team, and I realized I had more money to play with, so I took him out and put Homa on. But I did have Cantley on my team. That's not a bad. I, I think both of these guys should be on all of our lineups because I think both of them are going to finish in the top ten. So I I may switch my lineup. But, what do you think? What do you think Rory does this week? I think he finishes like top thirty. I, I mean, he's going to make the cut because he's too good. But I think he if if, if this is typical Rory form, I think he plays poorly. Uh, Thursday and Friday, and the pressure's off, and he shoots 66 on Saturday or vice versa, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, he may maybe plays decent on Saturday, plays great on Sunday because there's no pressure, and he finishes, you know, top 15, top top 20. I mean, that's typical Rory. I mean, I, I, again, I, I, I hate to say that. I, I do like the guy. I think he's a very well-spoken guy, and he's he seems like a cool guy, but – I don't see him and I rarely see him making the big clutch putt or the clutch shot at the right moment. And I just, you know, he he's yet to prove he's yet to prove to me that he can do it. And all the all the maybes that he's won, he's he's had a pretty substantial lead for the most part, or he's in control. He he has not had to make a a tough putt on the last on the last hole, the 72nd hole. Whereas we've seen Tiger do that. 20 times which is that's unfathomable like it's it, you know that doesn't happen very often so that's a generational player and and it's unfair that we put rory in that standard but it is what it is so yeah i agree it's um yeah, yeah i had i had rory on my squad at one point you know i've been looking at my picks jay in our other league that you and i are in and i'm kind of all over the place it's just it actually kind of the the fun part about these elevated events when the, all these players, there's so many good players, right? There's no yeah. like obvious, like you get in the, in a middle tier event and there's like two or three guys that kind of jump out at you. But now yeah. there's like 15 guys that are jumping out at you because they're <laughs> like, all in the I same field. How do I, I pick? Yeah. Three out of the 15. It's hard. And then you look at some, some guys are like, Oh man, I like him. And then you look at their track record at TPC Sawgrass and you're like, Oh, well, fuck, I'm staying away from him. He, you know, so that, is, that really doesn't mean anything. We we all know that. Like, yeah, it means nothing. I mean, especially Tiger, especially last year because the weather was. Remember when the weather was nuts last year, yeah, and so if yeah. someone missed a cut last year, like don't hold that against them. If you're out there trying to think of your picks, and you're like, yeah. oh, he missed a cut here last year. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. No, it's it's, it's, a, it's one of the it's one of the most it's the one of the craziest events, craziest golf courses. It, it doesn't fit anyone's game. It, that that and that's that in itself is really intriguing from from a viewer standpoint. We keep talking about that, you know. It's like 
I, you know, hey, I need to watch this because I could watch Tiger miss the cut. I could watch John Rahm miss the cut. I could watch Rory McIlroy miss the cut at, at the players, which is the fifth, the fifth major, so to speak, um, because it doesn't suit anyone's game, so to speak. I mean, it's 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 yeah. pretty crazy. I mean, that's why I like watching it because you can see a guy. The guy played who has been playing great golf all of a sudden just just fold and you're like what happened you know and then he's like I didn't play that poorly I hit two bad shots and I shot three over and I missed the cut yeah, you know like, okay, uh, see you later it's fun I lo- I can't wait for this weekend I'm gonna, yeah my wife's gonna hate me because I'll be in front of the TV or my phone or whatever all weekend but yeah. <laughs> sorry honey you're used to it at this point so yeah. <laughs> you'll never make it you'll never make it this far in the podcast. So she's not going to hear me say that either. She won't. She she's <laughs> good for about five to ten minutes. Yeah, that's, that's about it. I, I get. Hey, we got a download from her. She she hits the stats. We got a download. So yeah. All right, Jaybird. That All was right, fun. Buddy. Yeah, man. We will uh, we will chat with everyone next week uh, with our reaction to the players and whatever more news comes out in the crazy world of professional golf. So yeah. Thanks to our listeners, as always, for downloading and listening, and we appreciate it. Cheers.